started writing Food for the Archons as a book of despair after watching my father die in 2013. During his transition, I experienced a series of paranormal and psychic events that left me feeling that I had either gone completely crazy or fell into humanity's darkest secret. I spent the next five years conducting extensive research, and I quickly learned that what I had experienced was real. My journey brought me to an understanding that showed me that despite the terrifying reality of an unseen predator, we as humans have a forgotten power. Just knowing this brings us tremendous hope in what once seemed a dark reality. I wrote this book for me in hopes of gaining a better understanding of our reality and relationship to it, but my hope is that you will find as much value in reading it as I did in writing it. I am human, food for the Archons, humanity's psychic connections, simulated realities, parallel worlds, and the manipulation of mankind. It's available on Amazon.com and at SixthSenseMedia.net and wherever books are sold. I'm Dennis Nappy II, reminding you to let your intuition be your guide. Thank you. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. What impact does your intuition have on your mental health? And what impact does your mental health have on your intuition? I think the two are closely linked. And I want to talk about an experience that I'm currently going through. Another moment of realization uh, on this episode of The Seeker Podcast. Dennis Nappy II here. Hi, Truth Seekers. It's been a while. Uh, I've been struggling for over a month to sit down and and do this podcast and and ruminating on it and thinking on it and then just trying to find the motivation to do it. Um, it, Things have been challenging. Uh, I'm okay. But um, just a lot of stuff going through my mind that I've been processing and looking at through a new angle. I want to talk about um, mental health, specifically ADHD, Um, and intuition and things like remote viewing and Reiki and how they all have tied in in my life in helping me to navigate through uh, this journey that we're on. I made a decision a long time ago that uh, I'm in this. Uh, I'm in this journey in search of, of wisdom, of understanding, of knowledge, of how to how to live my best life. And there's a cost to that in looking at the world and dissecting it and trying to understand it. Sometimes the ground drops out from underneath you, but sometimes you peel back the layers of yourself and you, you have these profound insights. And that's, that's kind of what's happened to me over the last month again. Uh, and I attribute um, processes in my practice of remote viewing and of Reiki and of meditation. I attribute that ability and I'll talk more about this I uh, attribute those skill sets to helping me to pay attention to my own mind. This all started, uh, I was I was struggling with some things and I came across a TED Talk by a woman named, I think her name is Jessica. She has a YouTube channel and it's called How to ADHD. Now, I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was in sixth grade. I was having trouble staying in my seat. I kept running my mouth. I always had something smart to say. Uh, I had trouble getting homework done. I was always fidgeting, like all the classic signs of ADHD. 
went to see a therapist for a little bit and they said, okay, you just need to take some breaks. When you're feeling fidgety, get up, take a break. And that was really just the validation that I needed. I I had those, uh, my teachers had that understanding. I didn't have an IEP or a 504. Um, But then I just learned to deal with it and work with it and realize that, hey, I can control this if I give my, if I set myself up for success, when I'm having a hard time, I take a break. And, you know, that has really worked for me a lot. Uh, And then I made it through boot camp and the military and, and, you know, police work and all these things that I've done uh, that traditionally they say people with ADHD would have a really hard time doing. And I've done it well. Um, So I always figured ADHD, I've got that, I've got that licked. That's easy. I, I can handle, I have it but it's my superpower. I've never looked at ADHD as a, an actual deficit or a problem. Uh, And I still believe that I believe the bigger problem is the world around us, the structure of our own society. It doesn't, our brains don't conform to the rigid structure of wake up at this time, be at work at this time, work on this, work on this work. Our brains are constantly searching for stimulation and there's challenges with the reward system of dopamine in our minds a whole whole bunch of neat science out there now about adhd anyway i'm I'm digressing i didn't think adhd was a problem and then i listened to this ted talk and she went through all the ways as an adult that adhd manifests itself the big one being having trouble getting started having trouble focusing on things that people are saying, if you're not interested, you know, when you're at work or if there's multiple distractions in my work for a school. So I'll be talking to one person and three other people are talking and it's a real, it's a real struggle for me, a real stress point. I was coming home from work every day, just angry and feeling horribly guilty because I don't want to listen to my children talk because I'm so at that point overstimulated. I just want to go out and sit by myself for the next three hours and not listen to anything and not even think, just to shut everything off. And it was really hard. It was really hard. And I listened to this TED talk. I said, well, let's, let's see if I can learn any new tips and maybe ADHD ties in. And I, and, and I was so moved by what this woman was saying. I started watching her channel. She's got, I don't know, she's been out since 2015, but she has all these like five to 12 minute videos And it was one of the most empowering and validating things. Every video I watch, I go, yes, I deal with that. And because of that, I have this many problems. I I struggle with anxiety because of this. And I struggle with anger because of this. Or I feel lost. I feel incompetent. Or, oh my gosh, I'm masking, which is like hiding what I'm going through and looking like I'm just confident and in control. Because on the surface, like I said, I'm... I would consider myself very high functioning, but I've I've had these these struggles. So anyway, I I opened myself up and and really listening. I listened to uh, Andrew Huberman has a podcast. He's a neurobiologist or neuroscientist. And he was talking about a lot of the science behind ADHD. He was talking about what stimulant medication does for your mind when you're on ADHD because we have an issue with dopamine regulation. And he talked about how the stimulant medication, and I'm not a doctor, so please don't take any advice from me. I want to be give that disclaimer here. But anyway, he talked about this. I'll have links to it. And something shifted in my mind because, you know, I, I grew up with in the Nancy Reagan era of just say no to drugs. And I remember uh just feeling so negative towards anything 
drug related. Now let's add to that that mix this feeling of I can control my own mind. Uh, I don't. It, it's a cop out. I'm weak if I if I take something. Or um, then the big thing in my mind too is I have zero trust in the pharmaceutical industry because of all the challenges that are out there. So I had all these things in my mind of, hey, I don't need medication. And I'm not on medication. I want to be clear right now, but I didn't even have a mind open enough. At the end of the end of every podcast, I say, let your intuition keep an open mind and let your intuition be your guide. We don't realize sometimes where our mind is closed until we're forced to confront it and open it a little bit. And that's kind of what I went through. And what Huberman was saying was that that's why a lot of people with ADHD are prone to addiction. They're coffee drinkers, they're cigarette smokers. And because it gives them, it's a stimulant that actually helps them to ground to baseline. And I was feeling so just beat up mentally. I was always, I've never, I'm not a coffee drinker. I never drank coffee before. And I was like, I don't need that. And because my fear was that, oh, I'm going to drink coffee and I'm going to become addicted to it. And then one day the apocalypse is going to happen and I'm not going to have coffee and I'm going to be shit out of luck. That was my logic, right? And a lot of stuff happening here. But in hearing that, I said, I need to figure something out. So I tried, I tried coffee and I was, I, I, I tried coffee and then I went to see my therapist and at that point, the coffee had kicked in and I went to a park in my area. And as soon as I got out to the park, it was like the first warm day of the year. The sun was shining and the caffeine must have hit me right then. And I wasn't jittery. I wasn't wild and crazy. Like I never felt so normal in my entire life. And I, you know, when I was journaling about it, I just wrote down, it was one of the best moments of my life and that's not to supersede like you know the birth of my kids or all these other things it was really the first time in as long as i can remember that i felt normal like my brain worked uh, everything that i'm afraid of and all the anxiety all of the every problem that seems like it needs to be solved right now. And then I get so overwhelmed that I just don't do anything or I pick at this and I pick at that and I just jump around it. All that noise went away and everything was clear. And all those big problems seemed more like small manageable problems. I always manage, but it's always chaos in my mind. And I was so overjoyed and I, I regret, I wanted to film a video. Um, but I was in a park and there's people everywhere. And I knew that I would start crying and I don't want to start crying doing a selfie video and be one of those people. Um, but I, I was so overjoyed with, Oh my gosh, I'm, I, I did it. I'm, I'm normal. And I never realized not that I want to be normal, just that my brain was working in a way that was, was efficient. Um, and it felt really good. It felt, it felt really good. And that within that day, like I restructured so many things, how I organized, like I got all this stuff done and I put all these things in place for myself um, over the next few days um, in trying to restructure and kind of get on this path. And I started doing research and collecting data and, and really trying to understand 
my ADHD and caffeine and the impacts that it has. I was like, this is it. All you got to do is drink a cup of coffee and um, and everything works. But then our bodies develop a tolerance. And, and so I started drinking a little bit more. And, and again, this was in a controlled, structured way. I was actually charting data when I was drinking it, how much I was having. I was like, okay, I'm not feeling the effects anymore. I'm going to have a little bit more. And ultimately what ended up happening was then it had the opposite effect. And then my anxiety spiked and I went through like almost like a paranoia. The anxiety just got so bad. Like my worst fears, I started like really freaking out um, about at just everything in my mind. But what was interesting was when I was at my worst, I recognized that I was still in there. I recognized that my mind and my body was having an experience that I couldn't control, but I could observe. And it was almost like being in a remote viewing session or a deep meditation where you can, I don't want to say I stepped out of myself. I stepped into myself and watched from the outside. And when I was at my absolute worst in a full-blown panic attack, there was a part of me that compartmentalized. And I looked at my mind and I said, this is going to pass. The caffeine and everything needs to run out of your system. So I still felt the panic. My thoughts were still horribly racing, like negative, scary thoughts, just nonstop. But I knew that it would pass. And the next day, I didn't I didn't drink any more coffee. I stopped. And my mind just felt fatigued. It, everything was moving in slow motion. It was a relief. It was an outbreath for me. But I, I, I attribute my meditation practice, my daily meditation practice, my Reiki practice, my yoga, my remote viewing practice, things that are consistently regular in my life to allowing me to not completely fall apart, to observe my own mind. Um, it was a beneficial experience for me. And it, it has allowed me to continue with this experiment to try to find a way. You know, I mean, when they talk about people who are addicted to drugs, what are they doing? They're, they say they're chasing that first high, right? And it's, I'm not trying to get high. I understand why people self-medicate because you have that moment of everything is right with the world. I miss it. Uh, and I've had, I've had some moments that have been on that trajectory since then. I've had some successful days when I can get everything right, but I want to be able to regulate that more consistently. And it makes me sad. It's like, I quoted Flowers for Algernon, if you remember that book. I read it when I was a kid, and this guy was um, mentally deficient, and he took a smart pill, but the smart pill was short-lived, and he knew that he was going to lose it. And it was in that moment that he's at the height of his intelligence and realizing this is going to be short-lived. You know, I, I texted somebody 
that day I was feeling really good. And I said, this is, feels like a flowers, flowers for Algernon moment because I knew it wasn't going to last. And I think that that made it harder in knowing what it feels like when your mind is, is clear and is, is, is working the way you want it to. And knowing you're going to go back to that darkness or that cycle or that, that stress. Um, but that keeps me, keeps me going right now because I know that that state exists. And I, I do a lot. Like I said, I, I do yoga every day. I meditate every day. I practice Reiki every single day. I remote view regularly. I journal. Um, I eat healthy. I exercise every day. Like there's all these things that I do, uh, all the checklists of the self-care things, not because it's a chore, but because it's important to me and I feel good when I do it. Despite all of those things, I still struggle. And that it brought me to the realization to strip away. And I did a show not too long ago talking about, you know, releasing our judgments. We don't even realize sometimes when we have these judgments and these dogmas. I was all this time saying, I'm not going to drink coffee because one day I might need it and it won't be there. But what about the last 40 years where I could have used it and didn't have it? I got to stop. You know, we need to stop worrying about the what ifs of the future because for me, the future that has not happened and may never happen is dictating how I'm living my life today. We need to stop living for that moment, for that possible moment. And, and those of you that watch me, you know, I struggle with that. As a remote viewer, I've stopped looking at future targets because it just gets in my head too much. Oh, here's what's going to happen. So I can't do this or I shouldn't do that or I need to prepare for this. For what? So then the time that I have here, I'm just going to be stressed and anxious? No. So I still love remote viewing. I'm just not looking at the future anymore not trying to look at the future anymore unless something spontaneously hits me then i'll say it's from a higher power telling me it's something i need to be aware of and i'm not saying i won't ever look at the future i'm saying for the state that i'm in right now i don't think that experiment is is serving me for what my goals are with that being said in terms of looking at the future The same day I had that great experience with my coffee, I booked my first astrology reading. Uh, I, I finally pulled the trigger. I found somebody and um, I was blown away. And it gave me a blueprint for kind of the path that I'm on and the challenges I can expect. And not necessarily in saying, here's what's going to happen. It was, but it was like, here's what you're you're preparing to go through. Here's the course that you're on, the areas of your life that are going to need some work right now. Um, and and date by date, I'm watching these things happen as the astros, my astrologer has told me, uh, things are going to unfold. And that feels different from doing a remote viewing session and seeing, oh, there's an accident this day, or oh, there's a major storm, 
or a you know event. This is more the blueprint for how I'm developing in my own life's purpose and path and stepping into that and getting that validation. So that that piece has been tremendously helpful for me. And I'll probably talk more about that in uh, in another podcast. I want to focus on on just the mental health aspect here. Um, I'm just amazed. You know, I've been in special education the last 14 years, I guess, 13 to 14 years, uh, and I've lived with ADHD. And I, again, I always thought ADHD was just something, something that wasn't a big deal. And what I've learned is that it is. And that I lying to myself. I don't know if it's pride or ego or just denial, or maybe it's just ignorance. Um, because I felt that I mastered it. I got I, I graduated high school, I got into college, I graduated college, you know, with honors. I have a master's degree. I I went through boot camp. I did I did all of these things, and it's not my ego, it's just I, I accomplished a lot of things that are very hard for people with, with ADD and ADHD. So I always thought it wasn't an issue, but one of the places that affects me is in my interpersonal relationships, simple or, or simple things um, like, Hey, I'll call you to schedule plans or, Oh, I need to respond to this email or, Hey, I need to take those muddy boots off my front porch and bring them inside and clean them. Uh, it's a non-preferred task and therefore I can't, I can't find the motivation to do it. It seems almost impossible sometimes. And in hearing other people with ADHD talk about that and talk about how there is something going on in our minds that makes it very difficult for us to do those things um, was just validating for me. I think of many of the arguments I've had and the trouble that I've gotten into as an adult for putting things off and not wanting to call people or schedule things or because the, the idea of doing that seems monumentally difficult and uncomfortable for me. But then when the mood strikes, I'm in the mood, it's like the greatest thing in the world. And, and when you look at it from the aspect of it's that problem with dopamine in your brain, the reward chemical, I don't know enough about it, but... Um, through that lens, it, it makes sense. Or when I can get lost in scrolling through my phone, which is really designed to manipulate, I'd say, brains like mine. Um, so much has made sense. But when I when I listen to people talk about ADHD and, and why they call people with like ADHD and autism, you know, neurodivergent, and it, 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 from what I understand, it just means you know your brain is different from the the norm. Right. But I love the movie Divergent. Uh, so when I hear neuro neurodivergent, I I take a lot of pride in that. It makes me feel really cool. And I always tell students, I've been saying this for well over a decade to my students, ADHD is your superpower once you learn to harness it. And it is. Uh, you know, I do a lot. I have done a lot of things. And it's because of my ADHD and my ability to think abstractly and outside the box and with adhd our minds move so fast sometimes we make connections way faster than a neurotypical brain 
And this served me as, a, as an intelligence analyst. I was looking at piles and piles of data and I was just able to make all these connections as a, as a podcast host, you've heard me go off on, you know, analysis with different, you know, spiritual and philosophical thoughts that I have and, and work my work with, with crypto viewing and, and even in remote viewing, I feel that neurodivergence in my mind has, has served me well. And again, I don't, I don't mean this as a cocky ego statement. This is just how I perceive my mind. Um, but this experience was the first time that I viewed it as for the challenges that it presents and acknowledged that, yes, it's hard. And I've been ignoring and hiding the fact that it's hard because I don't want to, I guess it's embarrassing to say I need help. It's embarrassing for me to say, I can't do that. It's like, why? It's something that's so simple, right? But I, I can't. So at least knowing that other people out there can't, uh, maybe not can't, but have a hard time like me was very empowering. And that kind of started the spiral for me, uh, it, ultimately in a good way. Um, and it opened me up. Now, again, I'm not a doctor. I'm nothing close to a doctor, uh, so I give no medical advice whatsoever. What I do know is that after this experience, if there is something that exists out there that will allow my mind to better regulate so I can still be me, then I'm going to explore it. I have my opinions on the pharmaceutical industry but sometimes we need help. Sometimes these things can help us. So I don't know where that journey is going to lead me, but it's no longer a hard no for me. It's now a, let me gather more information and see what is the best thing for my mind, because we've got one life to live. And in that moment of clarity, I've realized what I have been missing out on. And it, it hurts. So, uh, more to come on that one, my friends. I think it's important um, to recognize with mental health and with all of these spiritual practices that we have remote viewing, Reiki, meditation, whatever you're into, I don't think there's one method that checks all the boxes. If I just did a Reiki, there'd be so much that I missed. If I just drank coffee, there'd be so much that, that I missed. Um, if it was just remote viewing, again, there'd be so much that I missed. It's a holistic approach to things. It's You're not going to find... I mean, if you do that, it's great, but I don't think you're going to, you might find one method that opens up a world of opportunity for you. And in that moment, you feel like everything is right with the world, but there's an entire system of things that I think we need to invest our time, our thoughts and our energy into in order to find that path to being our best selves and making the most out of this existence that we have. Each training quadrant gives us another perspective that we can then incorporate into our holistic worldview and our, and our identity and how we want to approach this existence. 
if you find things are hard, don't be afraid to ask for help. As I started this off, you know, uh, this whole realization came as I left my therapist's office. That has been a big piece in helping me to stay grounded. Despite all the other things I have going on, I still recognize sometimes I need to talk to somebody else to make sure I'm not getting too close to the edge or to, to guide me or to validate whatever it may be. Um, so there's, there's a holistic approach here and it's not, this is a journey. If you're, if you're just getting into this and you're like, Hey, I'm going to learn this in a week. And then I'm going to, then I'm going to know everything. That's not how it goes. This journey at times is very hard and it's, it's lifelong. I know that as soon as I reach another level and I say, Hey, I figured this out. Then you have, if you keep going, a thousand more questions and you realize, man, I don't know anything, but it was neat to figure that one piece out. But that one piece is actually not this whole big thing. It's another tiny piece in a bigger picture. And that's good because it keeps us growing and it keeps us improving. I think I'm all over the place here with this conversation, but one of the things that, that I was kept thinking about um, as I'm listening to people talk about ADHD and hearing the term neurodivergent and understanding, uh, I've worked with a lot of students with ADHD over the years and, and growing up with it and seeing how, especially in education, typically our students with ADHD are the ones that have a really hard time with the structure set up in the classroom. The accommodations we put in place for kids with ADHD are frequent breaks, or we scaffold information, or we give them chunks of information that's in smaller, more consumable parts, because it's very difficult for our minds to get engaged in something that we don't find interesting, right? So the ADHD kid, it's not that they can't focus, it's that they're focused on everything in the room. So we have the ability to focus on everything that's going on, until we find something that's interesting and then we hone in on it and we're hyper-focused on what we're seeing. And these are the kids who will really, who can really wreak havoc in your classroom. If you're not a strong teacher, if you don't have good classroom management and good engagement and good differentiation for your students, I'm using a lot of educational terms here, but if you don't know how to gear your lessons to, to accommodate all minds, these students will show you where your weaknesses are. And most teachers, you know, without this experience, they're, they're frustrated. They reach their frustration point and they send them out. They give them detention. They call their parents. They put them in another classroom that, you know, oh, these kids, they're just a problem. They're just a disruption. No, these kids are identifying weaknesses in your approach to education. And they're so bored because usually they're pretty intelligent but they're not stimulated enough in your class. I'm reminded of uh, Barbara Marciniak's book, Bringers of the Dawn. And that book is, in my opinion, it's a very new age book. Uh, so I, I take it with a grain of salt. It's a channeled book. It's a great read though. Um, but one of the things she talks about is that these, these uh, what are they? The Indigo Kids, I think this talks about them, are the system busters. I always thought that was a neat thing. And in, in thinking about that book and thinking about ADHD, in a lot of ways, I think that's what we are. We disrupt things because we we look at things from so many different angles. And, and that's where I think that it's a gift if we learn to harness that superpower. It can also 
be a detriment to us. We can break apart a system and come up with new ways to do things if we can find the courage and the structure in which to do that appropriately. I really do think that it's a superpower. Percy Jackson, the lightning thief, when he talked to one of the gods, the kid said, I'm not that good. I have ADHD. And he says, actually, why do you think you have ADHD? Because on a battlefield, you have to be focused on everything that's going on. You are a warrior. And that is very true. ADHD allows us to focus on multiple things that are going on. There's days I come home and I say, I don't know how I managed all of those tasks simultaneously because you're so focused on everything that is happening. And for hunter gatherers, that could have been the difference between we eat tonight and we don't when you're out in the woods and you're taking in the sounds, the colors, the smells, the change of the wind, uh, the, the trails, what animal life is around. All of those indicators, the tiniest little changes, we see that. You perceive that. So when you're in a classroom and you have, you're not hyper-focused on something, every fidget a kid makes, every sound a teacher makes, every distraction in the hallway, the airplane flying outside, the cars beeping, kids laughing, the noise from next door, the way my shoes feel, the way my desk squeaks, all these things, the pencils in my hand, oh, I now have graphite on my fingers. All of these things are distracting to someone in an educational setting. But when you're on something like a battlefield or as a hunter-gatherer, these things serve you. So I, I believe, I truly believe ADHD, when used in the right context, in the right environment, is a superpower. But when we try to function in everyday life, it can create a major challenge for us. So I highly recommend, and, and I haven't reached out to this person, uh, you know, this is not an endorsement, but I highly recommend I'll have the links to it. If you or somebody you know deals with ADHD, um, check out that that YouTube page, because for me, it's it's been life-changing and, and validating, and it, it's helping me move, I think, what will be to the next, the next level. Um, speaking of next level... Uh, I know I said things have been hard over the past month, but that doesn't mean I've stopped moving. Uh, some good things are happening. Uh, we completed with help one of Coral's targets. I'm not going to reveal what the target is yet, but the project is finished and we will be releasing what it was uh, shortly. It was uh, it was an amazing project. So we'll have a video coming out hopefully soon talking about uh, where we went and what we learned have another one in the works. Darby's tasking us now. We're working on another project, a remote viewing project with Hellfire. Very exciting stuff. Um, so I'm looking forward to uh, to continuing to to work on that target for Darby. I haven't I have another session to do, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, in addition, if you watched our Whitley Streber's implant um, of that remote viewing session where I was the project manager. Don and I were actually just guests on Whitley Streber's Dreamland. Um, and for me, this was a dream come true. Talk about uh, setting goals and achieving them. Whitley Strieber has always been someone I've admired. I remember when I was writing my first book, I was living at my old in my old home. And I remember when I started writing and I said, who do I want to be? And I said, you know, one day I would love to do what Whitley Strieber does. I would love to write books about the paranormal uh, and I would love to do a podcast where I interview people and I talk about things like this and just do all sorts of cool spiritual stuff. That was in 2008, 2009, when I started that visualization, wanting to do something like that. 
So to be a guest on this man's show and to be able to talk, in my opinion, intelligently about things that we now have in common, um, that was a life goal. Uh, it was a life goal to meet um, on that level someone I look up to as a, as a role model. So uh, that show will be out on May 12th. Today's April 30th as I'm recording this. It'll be out on May 12th is what Whitley told me. So I will have that linked uh, as well so you can see that interview uh, and listen to Don and I talk about our experience with Hellfire and what it was like remote viewing the implant in in his head. But a really cool experience. Um, In addition, I am working hard on uh, putting together some Reiki, um, some Reiki stuff for people interested in learning Reiki. Reiki has been such a grounding force for me. Another tool that I've used to help better really understand my own intuitive and, and psychic uh, abilities, as well as work on uh, relaxation, healing, and comfort for people. But it's really given me a sense of control um, when I when I first got into it and understanding it. So I became a teacher last year. And I've been slowly building a course and now, so I'm getting ready to launch a course on Udemy. It'll be a a self-paced course if anybody wants to to go through that and learn Reiki 1. And then the attunements, I think the direction I'm going is you'll then schedule an attunement with me and we'll log in for a session and I'll I'll, uh, be able to get you attuned to your Reiki 1. Other things I'm considering, and if you're interested in this, please please drop me a note in the comments or wherever. I'm considering opening up my time for virtual Reiki sessions um, where I can connect with those of you that are interested, um, you know, for for a a very moderate fee, um, but for a Reiki session, um, just to kind of expand in that direction. And the other piece that I'm also contemplating is holding live in-person Reiki trainings. I'm thinking my first class will be a small group, uh, maybe five to 10 people, just because I think it keeps it more uh, more intimate that way. Uh, and probably over the course of three to four weeks, maybe meeting once a week, going through the lessons, talking about things, answering questions that will include a Reiki one attunement. So these are things, you know, be through Zoom, um, you know, just to connect and engage and, and really um, learn and grow together. So these are things I have on the horizon. If you think that it's something you'd be interested in, please give me that feedback. That helps me to stay to stay motivated. Um, this is my ADHD. I get all these ideas, and then it takes me forever to, to really get them all going. But these are things that are now, in my opinion, close to completion because I've been working on them for a while uh, as the as the mood strikes me. And um, so I think it'll be I think it'll be beneficial uh, for those of you that are interested in, in continuing this, uh, this journey here. So let me know if that's something you'd be, if any of those things are something you'd be interested in. Uh, lastly, I'm also slowly chipping away at, uh, some more, some more books. The hive book two is, uh, is well underway. I don't have any deadlines yet on that one. Uh, hopefully I'll have more time over the summer. Um, but that's still a work in progress as well. So just a, a little teaser for that. Um, that book is, is in the works. The, the whole book's written up here. It's just, uh, I haven't put it down into words. And in the very near future, I have a project that is done. It's called uh, My Reiki Journal. I don't have it sitting in front of me, um, but it's a 75 plus writing prompts designed for people who are learning Reiki 
Um, or it's a great refresher for people for, for people who know Reiki using writing as a form of meditation to better connect with yourself and with Reiki energy. It's, it's a great uh, series of writing prompts to help you better reflect and grow as a Reiki practitioner. So my Reiki journal will be coming out uh, very soon. I'm just working on putting that launch plan together for that. So look for that uh, in the very near future. And uh, that's all I got, my friends. So I appreciate you listening. Um, my anxiety's kicking in now. So I hope this just wasn't uh, an hour of me just complaining about how hard my life is because that wasn't my intent. My intent truly was to share with you my experience and realization of how ADHD has impacted my life and how my spiritual practices have helped me to better, I think, navigate and observe my mind as I'm going through this, trying to find a solution. Uh, or strategies where I can really just be happier because that's my goal because uh, it hasn't been easy. So I hope that if you're still with me, that you understand that uh, and that you found some, some value in this. Let me know, help my fragile ego. All right, friends, thank you so much uh, for listening to the seeker podcast where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep an open mind. Let your intuition be your guide. Thank you. You're putting a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Water can flow, or it can crash. Be water, my friend. Be water, my friend. Water, my friend, my friend.